welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's reading from Holy Scripture is Jeremiah chapter 38. Now Shephatiah, the son of Matan, Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Pashur, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah was saying to all the people. Thus says Yahweh, He who stays in the city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence, but he who goes out to the Chaldeans shall live. He shall have his life as a prize of war and live. Thus says Yahweh, This city shall surely be given into the hand of the army of the king of Babylon and be taken. Then the officials said to the king, Let this man be put to death. For he is weakening the hands of the soldiers who are left in this city and the hands of all the people by speaking such words to them. For this man is not seeking the welfare of this people, but their harm. King Zedekiah said, Behold, he is in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the guard, letting Jeremiah down by ropes. And there was no water in the cistern, but only mud, and Jeremiah sank in the mud. When Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, a eunuch who was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah into the cistern, the king was sitting in the Benjamin gate, Ebed-Melech went from the king's house and said to the king, My lord, the king, these men have done evil, and all that they did to Jeremiah the prophet by casting him into the cistern, and he will die there for hunger, for there is no bread left in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, Take thirty men with you from here, and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the cistern before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him, and went to the house of the king, to a wardrobe in the storehouse, and took from there old rags and worn-out clothes, which he let down to Jeremiah in the cistern by ropes. Then Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, said to Jeremiah, Put the rags and clothes between your armpits and the ropes. Jeremiah did so. Then they drew Jeremiah up with ropes and lifted him out of the cistern, and Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard. King Zedekiah sent for Jeremiah the prophet and received him at the third entrance of the temple of Yahweh. The king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you a question. Hide nothing from me. Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, If I tell you, will you not surely put me to death? And if I give you counsel, you will not listen to me. Then King Zedekiah swore secretly to Jeremiah, As Yahweh lives, who made our souls, I will not put you to death or deliver you into the hand of these men who seek your life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Thus says Yahweh, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, If you will surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then your life shall be spared, and this city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. But if you do not surrender to the officials of the king of Babylon, then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans, and they shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their hand. King Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Judeans, who have deserted to the Chaldeans, lest I be handed over to them, and they deal cruelly with me. And Jeremiah said, You shall not be given to them. Obey now the voice of Yahweh and what I say to you, and it shall be well with you, and your life shall be spared. But if you refuse to surrender, this is the vision which Yahweh has shown to me. Behold, all the women left in the house of the king of Judah were being led out to the officials of the king of Babylon and were saying, Your trusted friends have deceived you and prevailed against you. 
Now that your feet are sunk in the mud, they turn away from you. All your wives and your sons shall be led out to the Chaldeans, and you yourself shall not escape from their hand, but shall be seized by the king of Babylon, and this city shall be burned with fire. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, Let no one know of these words, and you shall not die. If the officials hear that I have spoken with you and come to you and say to you, Tell us what you said to the king and what the king said to you. Hide nothing from us, and we will not put you to death. Then you shall say to them, I made a humble plea to the king that he would not send me back to the house of Jonathan to die there. Then all the officials came to Jeremiah and asked him, and he answered them as the king had instructed them. So they stopped speaking with him, for the conversation had not been overheard. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the guard until the day that Jerusalem was taken. This is the word of the Lord. The text, well, it continues with Jeremiah being imprisoned, and we see different levels of that quite literally as he's lowered into the earth here in the 38th chapter. So we've got a group of men, Shephatiah, Gedaliah, Jukal, and Pashur. Gedaliah is the son of Pashur, probably father-son here in this text, We've had two different Pashurs in the book so far. The, the one, the priest, had his name changed to Magormus Aviv. Probably not that one, um, as I would expect that Jeremiah would have continued to use the Magormus Aviv name instead, likely than the other Pashur, or perhaps another. Um, as names get repeated, we've seen several re- repeat names uh, of men in the book already. So these four men have heard Jeremiah prophesying, and this actually goes backwards on us. It goes back to chapter 21, verse 9, where Jeremiah has been given this word of Yahweh and speaks it to the people, that if they stay in the city, they'll die. But if they go out to the Chaldeans, to the invading army, and turn themselves over, surrender, then they'll be spared. Is again the opposite of normal expectations. You stay in your city, it's a fortified wall, you're going to be okay, Just wait it out. But if you go out there, the enemy will kill you. But God's going to work the opposite here, that if they go out, they will be spared. So it takes trust, it does. It takes faith to do such a thing. They're also angry that Jeremiah has been preaching that the entire city of Jerusalem will be given into the hand of the army of the king of Babylon and taken. Jerusalem is the capital city of Judea, Judah. And at this point, It is the center of their life. It is the center of their faith, although they are very much so pagan anyway, but they are supposed to follow Yahweh. And so everything hinges around Jerusalem for this people. They don't want it to fall. They don't, I don't think they believe it can fall. There's a lot of pride involved oftentimes among men. How many times do we think that we have put together something so great or built something so big or so strong that it'll last forever. Men like to think in such terms. We get to verse 4. So these officials, these four, go to the king. They go to Zedekiah, and they claim that Jeremiah is weakening basically the morale, that his prophecies are getting the soldiers to give up, which technically probably is true if any of the soldiers were faithful. They heard the word, they'd lay down their arms, they'd go and surrender. And that's the opposite of what the officials want to have happen. So instead, they seek to put Jeremiah to death. 
That puts an end to his word, doesn't it? This gets into the connection with Jesus in the Gospel account, Matthew chapter 23, where he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Now, they don't actually get away with killing Jeremiah, that he'll die later outside of Jerusalem, but it's not for lack of wanting to, and they have, as we'll see, they'll have beaten him a couple of times already in the book. They have put him in the stocks, they've put him in prison, they're going to now put him into a cistern. They've done all sorts of evil things unto Jeremiah, rather than simply listening to God's word that has been declared to them. So they're not, they're not faithful. And this is what Jesus laments in the gospel. So they say then, uh, this man is not seeking the welfare of this people, but their harm. The family conversation can be had around that point. Is this true? What exactly is the welfare of a people? And which of these groups, Jeremiah the prophet or these officials, which of these groups actually has the welfare of the people in mind? If the Lord's prophecy is true, which it's Yahweh's prophecy, it's his word, it'll be true. But anyway, regardless, if, if the prophecy Jeremiah says is true, if they surrender, they live. But if they keep fighting, they die. That sure sounds like he has their welfare in mind, does it not? Um, this welfare word, by the way, just as we saw several chapters back, is that word in Hebrew, shalom, which usually is translated as peace. But in the book of Jeremiah, ESV likes this welfare translation instead. So the the way that the officials would like to go would actually see these people die. Now, in part, they don't they don't believe that. They don't believe that they'll die. They don't think Jerusalem will fall. But they don't have the welfare of the people in mind. They had the welfare of themselves in mind. So then we continue on here, uh, and King Zedekiah's words in verse 5 really should be troubling to anyone who has any idea of government. King Zedekiah said, Behold, he is in your hands, for the king can do nothing against you. Stunning. The king declares himself powerless in the hands of his officials. It's not how a kingdom works. The king is the one who's in charge. He has bowed down to another. Now, in fairness, he's a puppet king of Nebuchadnezzar anyway, but he's lacking that. He's not showing that full force, that full authority that a king has. He should have said no. He should have rejected their demand of him. But failing to do so, they do take Jeremiah and they lower him into a cistern, which is basically the picture you have in your mind of a well. I think for most of us in American culture, the idea of something dug, you know, cylindrical shaped, dug down into the ground, um, go down many feet. And so it is with this, that there is this well that's been dug out and Jeremiah has been lowered, but there is no water in it, and so he can't just float on the water, although he'd eventually drown, tiring of swimming. But instead, it's just mud. This shows, again, the the depth of the siege at this point. There's no bread, as we know from the text of the last couple chapters, and now there's also no water. So these people are really in a bad place. The siege is working, uh, it is it is weakening the enemy. So Jeremiah sinks into the mud that's at the bottom of this cistern, uh, making him stuck. The next section, the second paragraph today, gives us an Ethiopian eunuch who happens to serve in King Zedekiah's house. 
This could be a chance to connect to the New Testament, asking your kids if they can think of another Ethiopian eunuch in the Bible. And that would point us forward to Acts chapter 8, to the account of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, that, that this eunuch has come uh, from Ethiopia, from the south. He has come up to Jerusalem. He has received, he's purchased, I should say, a scroll from the prophet Isaiah. He takes it back to the queen to add to her storehouses. Uh, she likes to collect nice things, and scrolls aren't all that common. They're fairly expensive at the time, so that's the reason there. But as he's going home, he's reading the scroll of Isaiah, and God sends Philip to him to share how Isaiah is talking about Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and the eunuch comes to faith. So there's a good connection point to make here with Ebed-Melech. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts were never told his name. Uh, but we rejoice that we'll see him in paradise someday. He also got to take the, the good news of Jesus back to Ethiopia as well. So, we see Ebed Melech is the, the Ethiopian here, and he goes to the king, and he humbly at first, right, my lord the king, and then he declares that what those officials did was evil, as they sought to hurt Jeremiah the prophet, prophet by casting him in the cistern, that he'll die in there uh, for lack of bread. I'm not sure really why the the lack of bread is even mentioned here uh, in, in this context by Ebed Melech. They're all out of bread at this point. Um, so if he's going to die in the, the hole being out of bread from hunger, then he would die, well, if he's not in the hole either uh, from this lack of bread. So that he would die in the cistern just as he was concerned before he was going to die in the house of Jonathan that they had made into a prison. Anyway, Ebed Melech uh, petitions the king, and the king grants him to take 30 men to get Jeremiah out of the cistern. That's a lot of men uh, that are going to be pulling this rope and lifting him up out of the pit. And so Ebed Melech does it. He goes to the king's house. He gets some old uh, clothing and rags. And he gives them to Jeremiah that Jeremiah basically can wear them as padding under his arms. So when they place these ropes around him under his arms to hoist him up and out of the pit, it will not cause him harm. I mean, if you've ever uh, had rope burn, you know that can hurt. But in addition to that, this is probably now a weakened flesh for Jeremiah. And to have these ropes under his arms carrying him, bearing him up, um, you know, if he's a couple hundred pounds, or at least 150 pounds, uh, this is not going to be easy. And so they do this to help protect him and care for him in this way. And so they get him out of the cistern, and he remains in the court of the guard. It's an interesting text. I mean, really, the first half here, we'll get into the second half in just a moment. But why is it recorded? One group wants him in the cistern, one group wants him out. He gets in the sister and he gets out. The primary thing, well, I guess we could focus on both of those groups. The one group that wants him in the sister and we connected to Jesus morning and in Matthew 23 that they would seek to kill the prophets. We could also look at the Ethiopian as being more faithful and good. But I think the, the hinge point, too, is important. That's the king, uh, that the king is weak and does not have the strong will, uh, nor is he faithful. All right, we don't have much time left for the second half, and that's okay because the second half is pretty straightforward. The king 
just as he did in yesterday's chapter, chapter 37, wants Jeremiah to speak to him, but we know from chapter 37 that he has not bothered to listen to Jeremiah any time before, and Jeremiah picks up on that too. If I give you counsel, you will not listen to me. He's also concerned the king will put him to death, because the king does not actually want to hear the words Yahweh speaks. And so he takes an oath, Zedekiah does, the king, an oath swearing by Yahweh that he will not kill Jeremiah for this. In fairness, that does play out. Uh, Jeremiah does not get killed by King Zedekiah. Zedekiah then hears words he's heard before. Jeremiah tells him to surrender and he'll live, but if he doesn't surrender, he'll die. Zedekiah expresses the idea that he is afraid of the Judeans, so that would be the people of the land who should have been his servants but have already given in, they've already deserted, they've already gone over to the Chaldeans. He thinks that they will torture him. That tells you he probably wasn't a very faithful king. We've already talked about that a little bit, but if the people who have left him would hate him so much that he, he fears them, now that, that's a connection to make as well. So Jeremiah again repeats it. Obey, my, obey now the voice of Yahweh. It shall be well with you. Your life will be spared. But if you refuse, uh, Jeremiah has been given a vision by God where the women in the house of the king, so Zedekiah's house, all the women, whether it's his wives, daughters, um, whether it's servants, servants, families, etc., they will declare your trusted friends deceived you, prevailed against you. Now that your feet are sunk in the mud, they turn away from you. So this is the idea. There's a parallel there, right, with Jeremiah being in the cistern. He's in trouble, that his feet are stuck in the mud. It's a sign that he's in trouble, he's in need of aid, and his friends, his allies, won't come to help. Egypt, we've already seen in the book, is one such ally that Judah relied on Egypt. They thought they could. Egypt was not there for them in their time of need. So instead, uh, Zedekiah, well, let's skip ahead, verse 28, that Jeremiah remains in the court of the guard until the day Jerusalem was taken, gives us all we need to know. Zedekiah does not surrender, because um, uh, again, the city is not spared. But instead, what we have at that paragraph, verse 24 through 27, is Zedekiah telling Jeremiah not to share their conversation with anyone. In fact, if the officials ask Jeremiah about it, he tells Jeremiah to lie and to say something else entirely. This, I think, is a helpful family conversation. If your king tells you to lie, what should you do? And you can change the word king as you talk it through. As If your teacher tells you to lie, what should you do? If your parents tell you to lie, what should you do? And this is that Acts 5 verse 29 text that we should we must obey God rather than men. This is not good from Jeremiah. Well, it's not good of Zedekiah to ask Jeremiah to lie, but it's also not good of Jeremiah to actually go through with it. Yes, we are to honor our governing authorities. We do what the king tells us as long as it does not contradict God's word. Jeremiah's lie here is two problems. One, it's not truth. And anything that's not truth does not come from God. But the second part of this also is the idea that when the officials came to him and asked him about it, he could have shared God's word with them. He's done it before, I know, but he could have done it again. The Lord works through his word, but instead, because he lies, the officials don't hear God's word. They leave him alone, though, which is both Zedekiah and Jeremiah's goal. So that part's accomplished. <laughs> 